Them near people like us. Representing for the center. When the tech Alright, guys, welcome to the World's Collide Podcast. I'm sitting here in Hotel Room XXXX with my boy. Ryan Stan. No, whoa, 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 whoa. You make it XX. I'm a married man. You make that sound like XXXX. Like I put something four. inappropriate going on here. I, I put four X's on there. Right, that's good. just because it's a four-room hotel number. Yes. We're not doing anything in here that's inappropriate or untowards for three married men. All right? So I'm and the third married man in this room is my boy Ryan LeFleur from Long Island, New York, man. How you doing? Previously undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's just one defeated which yeah. means he's still a badass but um Ryan's down here because I, I didn't even I didn't even put this in my brain when it happened I was leaving the room from upstairs with my, one of my coaches and he's like oh you're gonna do a podcast with one of the black zillions I don't even I don't even think of you as a black zillion because I met you in Long Island I trained with you in New York and I completely forget that that we have this rivalry right. that really doesn't exist between us. Right. But when we're in Florida, we don't really... I've never seen you in Florida. We've been there at the same time many times before. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I'm you know, neither black or Brazilian, so it's also, you know, kind of get disguised by that. But, uh, yes, I am a black Brazilian, but I'm also a Long Island native. I still, you know, I have my gym in Long Island. I train in Long Island. I, you know, I represent Long Island to the fullest, so, you know. So are you dispelling all of this animosity that's currently on this new Ultimate Fighter show? I mean, is this? Are you telling me that that is perhaps scripted a little bit for reality TV that they hate each other this much? I promise you that it's not scripted. Dan absolutely despises yeah, Glenn. That, that's definitely real. That's real. I mean, as, far as, teams, as far as the fighters go, I don't think there's any animosity between the fighters. Everybody knows how hard it is, you know, to train and fight, and you know, everybody respects each other. And, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but you know, I don't have any bad blood. You guys have had a lot of coaching changes down there. I mean, you had, gosh, when Vitor first went down there, who was the gentleman, how am I forgetting his name, who was your head coach? Brazilian guy, he was the, one of the first Mario Speria. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mario Speria from Brazilian top yeah. team. Why did he leave? I don't know. You know, like, I, at that time when Vitor first, I was, I was just going there and coming back. I was going there for, like, two weeks at a clip and coming back. And it was just interesting. I would go there, and they were at this place called Imperial Martial Arts. And it was a little, like, dungeon gym. Yeah. And then I would come back home, and then, like, maybe a couple months later, I'd go back, and they were in this place called Level 5 Fitness, which is, like, this huge mega gym. And they were, like, in the process of turning that into, uh, like, this, uh, like, I, like I said, a mega gym. Then I come back home, and then I go back, and then they're in this new place called Jocko Hybrid Training Center. I'm like, every time I go there, it, it changed. But, you know, it, it, it got a little bit better every time because, you know, they made it a little more of their own. And uh, so I kind of missed out on a lot of stuff that was going on over there. I just know uh, where I'm at now. And I'll tell you, which is one of the benefits. I did the same thing with Jackson's. I came and went, and you get to a – there's a lot of drama in MMA gyms just because – Fighters are. I mean, you're, you're a fighter that has egos, so it's like egos. Yeah. And we all have, we're all part imbecile. Of course, well, let's be honest. We're all part for not that much money. <laughs> <laughs> Very little, really. And 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 there was something about that that I, I just kind of realized, and I was thinking about. You see some of these big gyms, these big teams, and one guy from another town goes to this gym, and he's he's doing well. He gets better. He but he's a UFC level guy when he goes there. You know. 
he gets better. It, they maybe they get him into the top ten, or they help him just get a win streak together, good looking win streak together. Some of the guys that he trains with back at home that aren't at that level yet, they may come down. They and a lot of them move down because that guy moved down, right. you know. And they end up in the gym and they just end up in the meat grinder because they haven't really, they don't show that potential just yet. But they end up becoming a sparring partner for other guys and whatnot. And they can grind and work their way up. But I think it's a lot harder. I think this is just me as an old guy talking to young guys. I would say, I would recommend when you go to these big gyms, visit. Train with them a bit. Train for your fight. Go home. Come back again for your next fight, you know. And let them know that you're not just going to be putting the meat grinder. Right. You're not just going to be another body for, for them to use to get to get the stars of the gym ready. That's good that you mentioned that. I, uh, you know, I was just at the Fighter Summit this weekend, and I talked to Lorenzo and Dana, and they were talking about you know, the importance of a, you know, a sturdy training camp. And, and not necessarily, like, more isn't necessarily better. Like, sometimes you go in there, and you're going against these top ten guys, and everybody's tra- everybody has a fight booked, and you, you know, say me and you are beating the hell out of each other every day. You know, we're getting banged up, and by the time the fight comes, you know, my shoulder's banged up, my wrist's banged up, and it's kind of like, you know, you're a punching bag for somebody else, and you're not the stud that you were back at home, and everyone's looking up to you, and now you're just another guy, and you're getting your ass kicked, and now you're 30 years old or 31 years old, and you're already halfway done, you know, because you're beating yourself up every day. I'm a great example. I mean, it cut my career by three years. I did not plan to retire until 36 years old, but... Every day I would walk in the octagon, and, and, and who knows whether it was Jardine, Rashad Evans, all of them, all of the above usually. Right. But, you know, I'd be fighting one guy, but really every day, and you know how we are in MMA. It's you put 16-ounce gloves on, and you fight, and you will generally do five to seven rounds that day of a fight. Nobody's mimicking the guy you're going to go against. Yeah, exactly. You're hoping to maybe go against someone similar, but you're just going to fight a whole bunch of dudes. Right. If you make it through the camp, then you get to the fight. And I mean, what I mean, you get miles put on you. I mean, my range of motion is so terrible uh, in comparison. I mean, not that it was great when I started MMA, but it's awful now right. because I would just train. Oh man, if I could train three times a day, five days a week, then twice on Saturdays, nobody's gonna outwork me. I'll yeah. be so good, nobody can beat me. It doesn't work that way. And sometimes, it's the best, yeah, having that tailored camp around you, yeah. where everybody's brought in specifically to prepare you, less sparring, more drilling. Those guys, man, it makes a world of difference. But then again, you know, we get paid peanuts, so it's like to, to get those guys to come in and work around you, it, you know, it, it kind of it stinks because we can't afford to do that. So Yeah. yeah. The only and, thing I'll say there, though, is we all knew that getting in. Yeah, of course. No, we no, all no, complain. Right. Look, and yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I chose to leave the sport early. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say, we, we say peanuts. I mean, it is not hard to make six figures a year in the no. UFC. You should be. If you fight three or four times a year, it's yeah. guaranteed. And, and then at some point, it's, it's not even that hard to make multiple six figures. Where, where it gets difficult, I, I see one of the big levels is if you can push past the half a million dollar a year mark, that's, I think, that, that's, that's a whole new level. Yeah. And then once you push into the seven figures, that's a whole other group as well. In, in my eyes. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where it gets tougher and a lot fewer people get there. That's, yeah, that's not a group that I... That I and I'm comfortable saying that I was a part of. Oh, I wasn't. I was wasn't. never a part of any of those groups. Yeah, I heard about those guys. Yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> I've seen they them. bought actually, me a few meals. I actually trained with them, and I was actually their training partners. A yeah. Times, but uh. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Remember, remember, GSP take me down a few times to right. take me to right. take me to dinner <laughs> afterwards. But yeah, I mean, it's it's there. But at the end of the day, and, and this is just my attitude, and I say the same thing to teachers and, and people. 
you know, military personnel all the time that complain about money. It wasn't a secret. Right. You know, when I chose to go to the Naval Academy, I could see exactly what a military officer makes and gets paid. So when I get there and I start getting that money, right. I can't complain about it. Right. And same thing, I came into fighting because, and like we all do, we wanted to. Now, does that make it right? No. Yeah. No. No, it doesn't. But reality's reality. If you're if you're a fighter, you got to know to make the real the long term money to make money like the BJ Pens and guys like that who have made that kind of money. It's going to last you a long time. It is a very very small percentage, similar to that of boxing. Yeah. Although obviously boxing's high end is light years yeah. beyond our yeah. high end. Yeah. yeah. By far. But there's also a lot more boxers out there trying to make it than there are MMA fighters, so it's kind of like, yeah. you know... Much older yeah. sports. Yeah. And, and the older. argument on, on both sides is, is you can make the argument at the highest level, and you can also make the opposite argument at the lowest level, right. because entry-level guys into the UFC, they make more than yeah. entry-level guys into uh, on, onto a main uh, big boxing card. You yeah, know, right. those guys get paid per round, and probably what? Yeah, $700 a round, $1,000 yeah. uh, know, $1, a round, and a four-round fight, you know? So it's, it's, it's a two-way street, but in the end, when, you, when you're one of, the, one of the elite guys, you may not be the elite of the elite yet, but you're working your way yeah, up, right. and you're one of the elite guys that made it to the UFC, right. you know, you sh- you, you're concerned about your pay. Right. So let's talk this weekend's card. Now, Matt Mitrione's one of your guys. Yes. Is he a black, because he's a part-time black saint. Yeah, yeah. So does he just get like sin, or like well, Me and him are like the only two like uh, white guys. That white zillions? White That's zillions. true. So we, you know, we kind of stick together, but uh, you know, he's in town enough. You know, he comes there for every camp. You know, maybe not, might not spend the whole camp there, but he's always there. On a hell of a run, man. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a beast, man. He really is. You could watch him. You could watch. The guy has one of the hardest left kicks I've ever seen or heard in my entire life. He whacks that thing. You could hear it in the other end of the gym, and I never, I never see him throw it. I was just about to I'm say. Wait, I just got done watching three of his fights. He doesn't throw the I damn thing. I can't wait for him to throw this freaking kick. I'm like, dude. He's a lefty, so yeah. put this, put it, don't even, close your eyes and throw it. Like it'll hit something, even if you yeah. block it, it's gonna hurt. Especially after he has a really smooth straight left. Yeah, and, and he tags guys yeah. with it because he's longer than they realize, yeah. and he's so damn quick, man. Powerful. He slips yeah. it right in your face. Yeah. So the second or third time he throws that, the right-handed guy is gonna raise that right hand to try and parry it or block it. Right. That means your elbow's higher, and that means that gut is just. Waiting to get yeah. smashed right out the guy's you mouth. You hide that kick behind that punch. And oh, you can't, and you can't block a, that. And he's got a long right hook, too, to make the guy's head go that way. Because it's not like a regular hook that someone goes here. He's got these big meat claws that he kind of just whips it around. So there's no, you can't yeah. walk this way. So you have to walk into that left hand. Keeps, like, you, keeps you right there. A lot of yeah. Lieben used to do the same thing with that right hand. He'd just kind of corral you, get you right yeah. in front of him. As soon as he could lock the missile on, he'd throw that left hand. And he turns it over and just whips you with the knuckles. So it's like. Dude, and, and he did it for most guys that have long arms like that. They don't have power. Yeah. And they have power at range, they don't have power and tight. When he knocked out Derek Lewis, it was like a little rinky dink right hook, man. Look, look at the past three knockouts. It didn't look like he barely hit like Sometimes the guy's like going to shoot in on him and he like stops the takedown and like they get they accidentally hit his fist on the way in and they're like on the floor. Dude, it's funny you say that, man. I've got a big note with a star on it. It, it looks effortless. Yeah. It look, when a guy yeah. starts to look effortless, and Eve, you've seen more fights than, than, than I can probably run. When a guy starts to look effortless, he's in another level striking. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that's the thing about Matt, man. He's an athlete. Yeah, you know the guy. Right the, the guy's an athlete, man. I've um, he's always I've, I've gotten messages from him over Twitter about him wanting to train with me, and I'm just like, 
what? why the hell would you want to train with him? Yeah. No one wants to train with him. <laughs> he gets in the way of his own self. He, he's an amazing person, an amazing athlete, but he's hard to train with. Is, 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 he, is he struggling to find partners there at Black Sands? No, he's got guys to train with, but he, I, you know, he doesn't really like to spar. You know, he, he's, he, he's, his miles are getting up there too. So, like, his body, his body can't take. You know, he knows how to do it. He knows what to do. Does he drill well? Does he drill hard? Does he drill often? I don't know. It's a good question. But yeah, I know he tra- he trains hard, and he and, and he works with Henry. And every time it's funny because Henry says every time whenever he comes to corner him, he always hits him on accident. Like they'll just move around, and all of a sudden he just <laughs> pops him, and then like, oh, match ready to go. That's the worst one. <laughs> and then I walked downstairs today because I didn't get to see Henry. I just flew in today, and I was like, oh, he's like, I'm downstairs working out Matt. As soon as I get down there, he's ra- he's rolling with somebody, and all of a sudden he gets up and he just like starts like. Showing punches and blast the guy in the face. Like, oh, sorry. I'm like, oh, that's typical of that. That's typical of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about his opponent. We talked about the dynamic in camps. It's interesting because Mack gets the best of both worlds. Yeah. He trains with Chris Lytle in Indiana at a smaller, more condensed yeah. gym focused on him. Then goes down to Black Sands, gets world class level partners and a lot of different coaches. Ben Rothwell, on the other hand, he trains out of his own gym. And he's got his jujitsu coach, and these guys, everything is about Ben. They yeah. believe in Ben. And, and he is a big old awkward son of a gun. Yeah. But man, is he getting it done right now, and yeah. people are underestimating him. No, you can't underestimate him. He's, he's a, a seasoned vet, veteran. He's been around for a long time. Before he was in the UFC, he was the IFL. And uh, what else was he in before the IFL? He, I mean, the guy is been around, he in he's been around for every, forever. No, and I'm, I'm he's sorry. not getting his ass kicked by anybody, so. He's, he definitely he's, can't look past him. Dude, he's, he's a big, nasty polar bear. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and you know when he's at his best? Honestly, he's at his best. I just, I just watched two of his fights. When he eats a couple of your shots and then counters you with an uppercut. I mean, yeah. it's like he's like one of those video game characters where when you hit them, they get stronger. Yeah. Like he absorbs your kinetic energy yeah. only to dish it back <laughs> out of it to do some comic book <laughs> stuff for you there, buddy. Right, 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 right. There you go. Like but he, he has a little bit of that. Yeah. And he also has one of the best, his little... Jig that he does when he intros himself, the one hand comes yeah. down, he throws the other one up, and he gets that little Wisconsin face going. And then how could you forget the dance? Uh, you remember that dance, dance that post fight? Yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was either. He kind of reminds me of of, of uh, Bruce Willis in the Last Action Hero at the end when he danced the jig. It's not that's the last Boy Scout. The last Boy Scout. He drops some right. knowledge on you. That's dude. right. I'm so I the last something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rarely, I'm 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 right on a movie with you, so I had, I had to slam dunk that one. Yeah, that was from the '90s too. I tell you how old we are. But Ryan, for um for Matt and this fight with with Rothwell, what do you think is uh is Matt's what what are his keys to victory to this fight? Speed, athleticism. You know, obviously, experience is gonna have to go. Even though Matt's got all of his fights are in the UFC, he's got experience. But obviously, Ben's been around the block. Uh, the experience might go to, to Ben, but athleticism and power, I might have, I'm going to give it to my boy Matt. So yeah. I think I mean, that's going to be the key to victory for him. I'll tell you, the coolest thing, I spoke to both of them this week. The coolest thing and the thing that makes me really excited for a fight, both of these guys are believing. Yeah. And sometimes, and you, and you know this well, you get guys in the gym that get their butt kicked every day, and you're like, there's no way this guy's going to win this fight. Right. Yeah. Then he, anybody, he doesn't realize, like, man, you see me sparring it? I look good. You're yeah, like, yeah, no, you're yeah. done. <laughs> but then he goes and wins. Yeah. <laughs> These two dudes are believing. Like, they honestly believe 
They're the guy that beat Cain Velasquez. They don't see anybody touching him right now. When, when I hear that from both guys, this fight with these two monsters this is not going the distance. If this goes past the second round, I owe you guys both dinner tomorrow night at midnight. All right. Now they're cheering for it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Don't go trip kind of these two tomorrow. tomorrow. What what are what are they ranked right now? I know Ben. Uh, maybe Matt's eleven and Ben's nine. Yeah, they're they're both right there. Okay, so so they're they're in in a, in a good place in the rotation. Yeah. To to get that title shot because Matt's been asking for a top ten guy, and they, you know that's why he hasn't fought since December. He's been asking for for a top ten guy for you know. And he, he just kind of in that in that mix, and they, you know, no one yeah. really wants to fight him. Yeah, yeah, because and, if, if a guy like Kane stays healthy, if he doesn't get hurt, he fights. Uh, he fights next week, right? He wins. He defends his belt, or Verdum wins the belt. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But as the champion, they're gonna have a little bit more time off. Yes. And that gives Matt. Let's say Matt wins the fight. That gives yeah. him the chance to call out a top ten guy, yeah. get a win, and be in, in line to get to get a shot yeah. at the champion, be in the rotation to get a shot. And I think that road goes through Stipe Miocic. I think it goes through him. I think Overeem's finally going to get his shot with JDS. He's been asking for that a while. You know, JDS already lost to the current champ twice. If Verdum wins, it's the best news ever for JDS. Yeah. But I think JDS and Verdum are going to fight. Miocic just put away that very hard-to-watch win against Mark Hunt. So the winner of this fight, if they're smart, tries to see if, if Miocic wants to stay active. Because I'll tell you one thing about Kane. If Kane wins, it's... 50-50 on whether he could turn around and fight very soon or gets injured. You know, it's right. just it's hard. He's got hard luck. And that's a man who's probably lost out on $10, $10 million with his Easily. injuries. Easily. As a heavyweight champ. Easily. As a heavyweight champ, you as a heavyweight champ in the toughest combat sport on the planet, you are the, the baddest man on the planet. Oh, you, you see those commercials where he rides that Harley around? Yeah. <laughs> No way am I fist fighting that dude. I, that yeah. that that's where you just pull the trigger. I'll man. tell you, man. Either, no matter what, I'd like to see uh, Matt versus Stipe. That would be, you know, oh. two athletic big dudes. They, you know, those guys fun. could go to go on and play any sport and, and be successful. You know, yeah. it's not, you know, they just chose fi- fighting to be. Uh, dude, that would be weapon. a fun fight, man. That, yeah. That's all right. You need to come down and whisper that. If Matt pulls this yeah, off, right, you need right. to come down and whisper that to Ben right. or uh, to uh, Joe, Joe Silva. Silva. Oh, we you know, get Joe Silva to listen to our podcast and hear you say that. Right. I'll tell you one thing. Joe Silva reads everything on the internet. I mean, everything. Yeah, I, I, I am with the man a He's lot that during these fights. Internet. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what we have in this hotel right here. I'll tell you. But uh, it's amazing. Everything out there that's UFC related, right. he will read that. You know, especially if it's critical, because that man, his passion other than matchmaking, is arguing. I mean, <laughs> he he lives for it. He loves. I mean, he deals with these managers all day, yeah. and I mean, just has a field day. Yeah. Dropping. He's a professional argument. Yeah, it's it's incredible to listen to. It's, he grew up on comic books and superheroes, man. So that's where it comes from. I think that's the problem. That's so, the problem. What do you guys think of this main event with Dan Henderson and Tim Boach? I think that uh, obviously, like you know, Dan Henderson's a legend. I think that this is you know the make or break for Dan. You know. I'm not taking anything away from Tim. Tim's a, you know, a, a really tough athlete, but if he can't get past Tim, uh, I think he should, uh, he should hang him up. Um, and, again, I'm not taking anything away from Tim, but Tim is – he's got power. He's got wrestling. Henderson's got – supposed to be have more power and better wrestling, so, you know, if he can't beat him at what he's the best at, then, you know, what, you know how is he going to win? So 10 years ago, we have Tim Bosch at what he is now – 
but we get the Dan Henderson from 10 years ago. Does Dan Henderson completely run over him in this fight? Yes. Yes. So if that Dan, if, if there's any re or any semblance of that Dan Henderson left, yes. he should win tomorrow night. Yes. Right. Let me throw this question to both of you guys. Do you think, um, I think the narrative out there on Dan Henderson leading up to this fight is unfair? <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen I've seen a lot of people trying to throw humor, you know, trying to make light of the situation that that he's on a decline and he's in a main event. Forty four. 44 years old. I mean, I'm on a decline. I'm 31. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying no. So you're saying, I, I saw a couple people online today that, that were a little upset um, that, that people were kind of saying, ah, he's already. I think that, that some of his hardcore fans saw people were being disrespectful with the narrative that's out there this week on Dan Henderson, a guy that they feel should be treated with more respect because he is such a legend in the sport. You, you, obviously, Ryan, you didn't feel that. You, didn't, you, you think they're just being oversensitive, obviously? No, you know, you know, it's kind of MMA is like, what have you done for me lately? You know, you're only this is your last fight, so obviously he didn't look great. I mean, he fought the world champ his last fight, but you know, look at his last fight, and you know, if he's, he's saying he wants to be the champ again, you know, he's got a, you know big shoes to fill. Yeah, and and, and it was at two hundred five. Yeah, wasn't it? No, it was wait. Who's the last fight? Yeah, was yeah. with the, yeah. DC, right? Yeah, DC. Man, it seems like no. that was such a long time. No, 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 no. See, this is why I call the fights. His last fight was a Gegard Mousasi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, he fought Mousasi. Right. And, and, and he got knocked out. Right. And he did not, he was not yeah, happy with that, the stoppage. Yeah, that yes. was, yeah, that I was, do remember that. Yep. That was a tough stoppage. It, yeah. it was a tough, tough stoppage. That. Tough stoppage. Um, it, it was. Um, but he was but, still rocked and he was down. You know what I mean? Who knows if, he, if it would have went on for another, yeah. you know, 10 more punches, you know, probably would just cause more damage, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the big thing, too, is, and it's tough, because uh, when you're sensitive and you, and you love someone, like a lot of people love Dan Henderson, you're going to get sensitive. You want to see him let go with class and everything else. Tough thing is, is when we try to extend our careers to the maximum point, it gets ugly for most guys. We've had one wonderful retirement moment in all the UFC. Yeah. Mark Munoz. And it just happened. Wait, no, right. two. Chris Lytle. Ah, great call, buddy. I should be calling fights. Yeah. Damn straight, man. Shut they sit me down. <laughs> no. That was that was a great moment by him. Yeah. He handed Dana the letter, went out there, he submitted Dan Hardy. Yep. It was it was. You're yeah. right. Great fight. We've had two. I but I mean, when you look Dan at Hardy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we I, actually we could add to that, right? I mean, but he didn't want it to be. Had Vanderlei Silva decide to hang him up after my fight, that would have been wonderful. But. Uh, <laughs> He wanted to keep. He wanted to keep going. Thanks, he just man. wanted to go for a run. That's yeah, right. screw Stan. He's not. He's not good enough for my retirement. But uh, anyways, it, it's tough to do. But with with Dan, I think a lot of people care about him. Um, he's accomplished as much as any combat sports athlete could. And at one point, you know, he was he was you know considered the baddest man on the planet. He knocked out the greatest heavyweight of all time, Alexander yeah. Emelianenko. I mean, he before that, he was the belt. He had the pride light, uh, middleweight and, 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 and heavyweight. Yeah. Yep. He also won the rings. Didn't he win the rings tournament? You guys probably don't even know about rings because that's old school. Yeah, yeah that, that was in college. Are you serious? Oh, man. Man, I'm old. Okay, so there was this tournament in Japan well, called You and Dan went to high school together, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in the senior class when I was a freshman. But the thing about rings was rings was a great tournament. Randy was in it, Jeremy Horn. Noguera, Fedor, there was, and I think it was a 16-man tournament, and I, I, if I remember correctly, Dan Henderson won it. It was like, 
the 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 purse to win the tournament was like two hundred thousand, and that was that was that was big money back then. I mean, I'm talking yeah. about, big money. I'll take that. Right I'm now. talking Hell about yeah. like two thousand and one, maybe yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Dude, I was a I was that a was, sophomore yeah, or freshman like in college. Yeah, that was senior year. high school. Yeah, it was uh, sometime was between. The, the fact college. that he was fighting back then is now starting to worry me even more. Oh, I saw Dan Henderson's first fight. I remember sitting on the couch. As a kid, wanting to be in the UFC, training to get to that point, and Dan Henderson fought in the 185-pound tournament. I think it was 185-pound tournament. Uh, then mini tournament, four-man tournament with uh, Carlos Newton, and I forget the other two guys, but I do remember him beating Carlos Newton in the finals. And yeah, that's that's how old, that's how long that guy has been in the sport. And that's how old I am, dude. I used to fly out <laughs> to Temecula from Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I'd fly out there. I'd take leave for like three days. And go train there. Now, normally, I train with all these little Marines and sailors that had like the slightest any kind of background. Right, like, a golden, like a golden glove. Yeah, like, anything. Amateur boxing yeah. And I, I'm the man. I mean, I'm, I'm bringing that, making these guys show up every day. I'm coaching our, I mean, which means I know nothing. Right, right. But we would train really hard. So then I'd go out there and train with Dan, and he'd throw this right hand from hell. And I'd see my life flash before my eyes. I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, if this hits me, I'm not even going to make this next deployment for my unit. My guys kind of need me. He hit me so hard the one day, and I was actually telling the story on social media. He hit me so hard the one day, like I, I kind of forgot who I was, and I actually I never I had this rule when I was out there. I would never take a ride from Jason Mayhem Miller. Funny, I mean, great guy to be in the gym with, entertaining, phenomenal training partner too. But something about him driving concerned me. That night, I am not clear headed, and I hopped in the car with him, and I swear. <laughs> His girlfriend at the time was also a comedian. <coughs> They're cracking jokes back and forth. And finally, after the third stoplight that, I mean, he just completely blew through. <laughs> I mean, we're not even slowing down for these. And I, I like, Miller, I, I can drive if you want, man. If you guys want to talk, like, I'm trying to be nice and professional. He's like, he's like, ah, Stan, this is your first time driving me? I, 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 everything's optional to me that's out there on the road, he said. <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm wondering, like, did he take his medication today? And, and he said, there's like, you at least have a good story. I'm just a dude with a red stripe in my hair. And, like, he's driving another red light goes by, and I am flipping out. I'm thinking to myself, man, we're going to get pulled over. I'm going to get arrested. My unit's going to find out that I'm with this dude reckless driving, and I'm going to get in all kinds of trouble. I mean, it would have been embarrassing. But anyways, point of the story, that's how hard Dan Henderson hits. I once saw him knock out a guy. He was sprawling. Guy shot on him. He was sprawling. As he wizarded with his left arm, he threw a right uppercut, knocked the kid out. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he should. It, yeah, a guy like Dan, I don't know. He hits really hard. And that's something you don't want to be doing, getting knocked out in practice. Yeah. No, no, no. Thanks. The kid came all the way from France to train with him. Yeah, stay away from Dan Henderson. Bon voyage. Him, man. But if this, if, this is his, if, this, if this is his final swan song, you know, um, I'm rooting for him. Uh, I root for, there's there's only two guys that that I can think of that have been in it longer than I have and are still in it, and that's Dan Henderson and Vitor Belfort. Right. And um, so I can't give a whole lot of love to your black Zillion brother and Vitor, but when it comes to Dan, man, I root for Dan every right. chance I get. I, I, I root for him unless it's by one of my teammates. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll it'll be interesting, man, because. Um, both of these guys have the ability to come from behind, right? I mean, with Boach, Boach has two really cool comeback fights. We all know the, the Yushin Okami one. Yeah, he was, was getting literally manhandled, right? Yeah. 
manhandled, and then just out of nowhere, third round, uppercut, knocks him out, and then screams, thank you, God, smashes his foot off the mat. It was awesome. But then, two fights in against Brad Tavares. Brad's a young stud. He's strong, he's fast, good combination, rhythmic fighter. And Brad had his rhythm going. He's winning that fight, he's winning that fight, and then out of nowhere, one punch changes everything for Tim Boach. Same to be said, though, when I was in Natal, Brazil, I got the chance to call Shogun Hendo 2. One, one's one of my favorite. Both fights. were amazing fights. Yeah. They were. <laughs> Who is in total control? And and I will tell you, go back and watch that fight. In the second round, Herb Dean should have stopped him. Yeah. Herb had a bad vantage point. Dan was out. Yeah. I he. I, I mean, we had a different camera angle on my ISO camera. The dude was out, and and he's just son. He's one tough sob. He wakes up, and then the third round, he decides, okay, I'm done losing this fight. Let me completely remove Shogun's nose from his face. And he, I mean, that right hand came out of nowhere. It was so loud, Kate said, and so disgusting that your stomach curdled. Yeah, Dan Henderson, man. He's, he's one of those guys. Both those guys, they have that one-punch power. So this fight is going to be entertaining the whole yeah. time because even if one guy is going... It's, for me anyway, the, the second Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos fight, yeah. I was always concerned. I, I wanted Cain to win, but... Every moment of that fight, after Kane destroyed him for three rounds, the last two rounds, the championship rounds, I was a little worried because JDS has that one-punch power. And um, fortunately, it didn't happen for him. But in this fight, it goes both ways. I don't think Boach has the same level of power. No, he doesn't have the same level of power. I don't think anybody in combat sports has that. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, but... But Boach, I think, has the durability on his side. Again, that really couldn't be the biggest X. You, you love to make the X factor something technical, yeah. you know. But in this particular fight, I, I think the guy who can take more damage is the X factor. I mean, he's also, probably 12, 13 years younger than him, too. Yeah, yeah. No, right? But also, um, Dan's, Dan's reputation. You know, Dan's reputation for being tough. And depending on the ref, you know, that, that, that is not necessarily a really good thing at Dan's age after all the wars that he's been through. Right. Um, the fact that he's still tough and he's, he's not going to quit, you know, if he gets in one of those situations and, and depending on the ref, the ref may, but it's Dan Henderson. I can't just stop him. I've got to give him a shot. Yeah. You know, um, be especially thinking back to the last fight that you corrected us on with Musasi, you know, so that, that, that all these things play a part and referee, ref, refing's not a hard job. I mean, an easy job, but you know, somebody's going to have to do it tomorrow and hopefully, when it's all said and done, for me anyway, I just hope Dan is perfectly fine, walks out the same way he walked in, at least mentally. Yeah, he's an immediate induction in the Hall of Fame, oh, yeah. too. Like, the minute he decides he's done, throw a ceremony, put it together, and in- induct the man. Because, I mean, yeah. he's, he's had a body of work that we all can be jealous of. It's funny you talk about refs. Now I have refs that come up to me before I call fights specifically to say, like, hey, Brian. Will you go easy on? Because <laughs> right, 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 right. they're an easy target. Man. Right, yeah. When you when you're pro fighter like yeah. I am, yeah. that's the easiest target. But the, I mean, they they're, make they're some just, massive screw ups yeah. at times. I mean, their job is also very difficult. Like you know, it, it's a split second where they, where they yes. have to make the right call. Yeah. And, you know, you have to give them a cut of a little slack. I, I try to give refs oh, yeah. some props. I can't remember the fight right now, but it was I think it was two or three cards ago. There was a ref that uh, was on top of a submission, like, right away. And I had, I had to tweet it. I was like, that guy deserves some credit because, yeah. that, that's you know, um, after seeing what Yukao did to Munoz, yep. 
And that was ridiculous. That guy shouldn't be wrestling. But that that's those are the those are the ones where I go nuts. It's yeah. not like something that's split second. I mean, I never I would never criticize the the Herb Deans, the John the big Johns. I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, this was the wrong call. Right. It's another thing to say that you know, this is so bad, blah blah. These guys have years and so I mean you're gonna miss every once in a while. But I will tell you, I have seen some refs in the last couple of years that you just wonder what kind of training they really had. Who's paying them? <laughs> yeah. Like the one cat, the 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 side mount choke out, right? That was, that, <laughs> yeah. was, that was my that was uh yeah that was the card that I that yeah I that that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. That was I didn't even see that story afterwards. They were like, and the guy literally was in side mount. <laughs> and, and with social media these days, there's no hiding. That dude's picture in a gi was over the internet, all over the place. Like everybody wondered, like, does this guy do any jujitsu? Does he know anything? I mean, within twenty minutes, pictures of him in a gi yeah. flooded. Somebody <laughs> from his gym posted it. No, yeah. also, I also heard that he trained with the kid that that that, that was both. That, one. Oh, that one. was I saw that yeah. picture and I, I I saw that debunked. It wasn't yeah. him, yeah. you know. But who knows? But that at yeah. least that picture they said. Right. You, you'd right. never know in the sport. It's such a small world. Right. Yeah, it is a small world, but. We were talking, well, we're going through fights, we're going through refs, and we talked to you earlier about this. I was asking you about when you win your next fight, and you were saying that your hand is messed up. I was talking to Dominic Cruz um, last weekend when I was out in L.A., and I, I was saying to him that I've been so lucky that I haven't been hurt, but you, I didn't realize that wrists are one of the big injuries in the game, because I haven't had any wrist problems my whole career, but... You have a wrist injury right now going on. Well, I had a, a wrist injury that sidelined me uh, back in my strike when I had my strike force contract. That's why I couldn't fight in strike force. I remember uh, that. I remember that because that's when I met yeah, you. Yeah, and uh, it, it felt great. It was great. I, you know, it was about a year recovery, and then I came back, and uh, the stupidest thing, like training for my fight, I went to block a kick, a high kick, and I went to pass it by, and the guy like caught me in the hand. It was just ah, a weird. It was like the weirdest yeah. thing. And I guess I tried to pass it by too early, and it caught me here. And my hand had been bothering me ever since. And I, I, I literally couldn't punch even going into the fight. I was, you know, trying to mask it. I, you know, tape it up, put extra tape on it, whatever I could do. And uh, and then I, you know, I thought I would, you know, I didn't feel it during the fight. In the fight, like you know, I landed one good punch. And I felt everything explode. I couldn't even get my glove off of it. And uh, I've been to four different. Uh, a hand specialist, and no one could really tell me exactly what's wrong with my hand because, like, there's so much stuff going on in there, uh, like with all the scar tissue and like abnormalities from the surgery. Uh, I just know it sucks. I can't throw a punch with it. I've been, you know, working on my right elbows with it lately. Yeah, I, I'm uh, Ryan. You guys at home won't, won't know this, but Ryan sees this big smile on my face, and I'm not smiling because he was <laughs> injured. I'm smiling because uh, Ryan is a guy, when I met Ryan, he would always, Ryan's another Southpaw, mm -hmm. he would always ask me about Southpaw tricks when, mm -hmm. I, when I first mm -hmm. met him, and, but this thing about the injury that's making me smile is that he's a fighter, man, yeah. that, that's, right. that's a fighter, yeah, you, you guys didn't, you, you guys, anybody that knows Ryan LeFlair or has been, has been watching his fights, you haven't heard about this injury until now because I brought it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, it's not—it's not, it's not yeah. an excuse. It's not yeah. a reason why yeah. the fight didn't go the way he wanted right. it to go. Right. It's just a part of the game. We all right. like everybody walks in there probably with something wrong. Right. On on any fight card, there's 16 guys fighting. At least 15 of those guys are walking yeah. in there with sure. something wrong. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? And the ones that don't complain about it, those are the ones you have to respect. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. Speaking of part of the game now, the the new new drug testing program. Now, Ryan, you were out at the the downsized. Fighter Summit, 
Um, you know, what has been the perspective and the opinion of the fighters with this announcement? I'm just really looking forward to it because at least everybody's on an even playing field. You know, who knows what half these guys are on. And, you know, I, I've been fighting my whole life. And uh, obviously I'm getting beat up. I'm always battling injuries. I wish I could have just started taking, taking something. If I knew everybody else was taking I had no idea that everybody else was taking anything. And, uh, you know, I probably would be in a lot better shape than I am now. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm really looking forward to see where, the outcome of it. You know, maybe the, the UFC might be regretting it because, uh, you know, the fights might not be as exciting. There might not be as many knockouts. There might be a lot more injuries now. But, you know, at least everybody's on the uh, even playing field. And we'll see who, like, the real fighters are and who the, guy, the real guys are. I think so, too. I think some guys, I mean, especially the guys that are in the, in the top 10, top 15 that are... I'm sorry. I mean, I'm it's, clear. Say it. it's clear. Yeah, it's clear. It's clear. You know, I'm not going to call anyone's name out because that's not my style. But you know, you could you could clearly tell who's on, who's taking stuff yeah. and who's not. And a lot of them have been caught before. And it's just you know, previously it was just a slap on the wrist, and it's like, all right, well, you got a you know a 30 day suspension, which you can't fight for 30 days anyway. You know, you're not going to fight another 30 days anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But having having these, what is it now? Four years? Two years. Two years. Well, it's a two years with two year. Uh, and then if you, I guess, um, forget the actual terms, but they they could add on another two years if like if you try to mask it, if you did something else on top, like say you failed, but yeah. then you did something to kind of skew the test, you get another you can get another two years. penalty. And then you like a hate crime. And then the second offense that doubles. So if it was four years, then it's gonna be eight, then it'll be eight years, and the third offense would obviously be termination. Done, yeah. So obviously the risk is way higher than the reward, which will make you reconsider. Will make, you know. You yeah, know, that yeah. sounds good to me. And here's here's some of the criticisms. And, of course, it's so funny to me because in MMA, the, the media the, the media likes to dislike the UFC. And, and there are reasons for that. And that is not all the media's fault. Let me just preface it with that. But this is something that a lot of fighters, a lot of media have called for for a long time. Here, now we have it. But then I see people in the media say, this is such BS this is so against the fighters' rights to be able to test them 365 randomly and barge in on their rights and their homes and everything else. And it's one of those things where I kind of got, you know, uh, it's tough because this came on the tail end of the Reebok deal, and I think people had a bad taste in their mouth from that. This, this is the best scenario we could get. I was in on the first meeting with the UFC where all the executives were there and we evaluated different organizations that could do this. I could tell you... I came into the room, I actually had the hand up that they gave us the read ahead, and I researched all these other organizations, and they weren't the right ones. They, they, they didn't have the goods to, to make this happen. In terms of, one, many of them were domestic companies. So they were going to be able to test randomly guys that were here in the States. They were not going to be able to handle a worldwide fight roster. Not a chance. Specifically when you're talking about the two biggest aspects of anti-doping our collection and the laboratory. You gotta have real trained pros do the collection. I have never had someone who collected a sample of urine off me before a UFC fight actually look at my right. genitalia. Right. My last fight was the only time that I've actually had the guy was in my it was in the thing with me like staring at me. I'm like, whoa, this is a little weird. Meanwhile, yeah. they probably when when Damien walked in there, they probably let him walk in there and close the door <laughs> behind them. <laughs> he closed the door behind them. <laughs> you weren't going to mention any names, you said. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I said probably. I don't know. <laughs> but 
and, and, and then obviously the labs, right? If you're going to collect something in China, you have to have an ability to get it to a world-class yeah. laboratory that can actually test blood for HGH, GPO, things like that. Peptides, which a lot of guys use now yeah, uh, to boost what, their what testosterone. Is, yeah, what is a peptide? I, 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 I don't know exactly how it works. I know from talking to people at USADA, a lot of guys take peptides because they're in and out of the system right. quick. They act like a steroid. They act right. like a steroid. Right. Boost their test, but it's in and out. They, these these tests, these people that take the drugs, I mean, they're taking all the right things that's in and out of their system. But these collectors know when guys generally take it, things of that nature. Um, and oh, like what time of day? Oh, yeah. They okay, know when to show up. up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and they're, they're, they know the chain of custody rules that people will try to beat their sample on. So they, they, they know how lawyers are going to counter yeah. them to make sure that they can actually get a conviction upheld if they try to appeal it. So anyways, as we looked through all these organizations they had, that's when the USADA discussion started, and I happen, I happen to know a guy who's a chairman of my board for Higher Heroes USA, who's also on the board of USADA. So I've had a relationship with them, and I, I, I think very highly of them. I think very highly of their CEO, Travis Tiger, and that's where the discussion started. And I was able to make the introduction. The meetings began, and it was a long process, man. It was, it was, it was many years. In fact, I met with Francisco Aguilar and Travis Tiger. Francisco Aguilar is the director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And, and I was with Travis, and we were talking about what goes on in the sport of MMA, how guys are beat, you know, and that, that, hey, look, Nevada, you need to be the leader in this. You need to step up the random drug testing, and other people will follow suit. And, and, and I'll tell you, Francisco took that to heart. And, and for, for a lot of you who want to criticize, I communicated a lot personally with Lorenzo Fertitta on that, you know, pushing him, pushing him, shooting him text messages, bugging him a little bit about how, how passionate I was on it. And, and he moved. He moved. I mean, he signed this deal, and this is not a deal with a whole lot of certain. I mean, these guys are going to start testing guys right now. I mean, starting in July, and it's going to be harsh, and it's going to be something that I think all the fighters I know are really happy about it. Yeah. Right. You know, nobody's going to admit that they're not happy about it because yeah. they know it makes them yeah. look guilty. Yeah. But I don't know any fighters that are thinking to themselves like, Hey, this is too much into my privacy or any of that stuff. Right. I, have you heard anybody say this? Right. I the only thing that I didn't like that there's a three strike policy. Not that I didn't like it, but I don't even know where I am. They, they, you have you have to let them know where, you, like every, every quarter, they have to let them know like where you're going to be at what. And you, time. it's somebody like you that lives I mean, in Long Island. I have no idea. I'm in Long Island, in Florida. I mean, yeah. I literally have no idea what my day to day schedule is like. It's yeah. never the same. I would say so. The same like the thing. first time they're there, and I'm like, oh, well, sorry, I'm in Florida, and they call me back. I'm like, well, we're in Florida now. I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm back in New York. Now it's three strike, and there's a possibility of me getting suspended. Because I, you know, three times they yeah. tried to get me, and I didn't know, you know. But here's funny. Here, here, I, I'll, I'll challenge that. We're looking for a reason to have managers now, right? Here's one. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not, and I don't mean that. I mean, look, they're they're needed now at the high level for guys like you right. who have marketability right. and are going to fight top level guys. You need. One. Right. Who is your manager? Glenn Robbins. Is it Glenn? Yeah. You know, Glenn's got to be slick now. Yeah. He's got to have a database. He's got to have an assistant that's trying. I mean, and I'm sure. I mean, he's he's a millionaire. He's got some money. He's got an assistant. Right. She needs to have an Excel spreadsheet. She needs to track and check in with you guys. I, I'm not sure. Does USADA have an app that you can give them your location with yet? I don't know. No. I, I know that they, they're they pretty well connected. And, you can and make one, sell it for a dollar, and make everybody in the roster have to get it. Damn. You know what I'm saying? But all the collegiate wrestlers are used to this. They all had to follow these rules. They're very used to USADA. This is nothing that they're not used to. Right. Yeah, but, but was, they also, they're always at the same place. But I was sitting, I was actually sitting with... Uh, Pat Cummings, who, Not was, the world who is on uh, the U.S. wrestling team, and he said, I've dealt with USADA, I, and he said, it's a freaking pain in the ass. 
Yeah. He told me he was a pain in the ass. He said they, you know, they, they said, and then like they told him they were going to test him a bunch of times. He said they, I don't know if he said they tested him once or they didn't test him once. I don't really remember exactly. But they said they were going, definitely going to. So he was like every day, like making sure like that he was in where he was supposed to be just because he was waiting for USADA to show up and they never showed up or they showed up one time and then, you know, in a, a two year period or something yeah. like that. You know, this this is great information because I, I, I got a message from USADA today actually asking if I would head out there in July for an educational session and in the assistance of teaching the fighters to, to roll this out. And so, um, you know, a lot of people only know my TV presence and things like that. In, in the professional world and in business, you know, I, I run a company on the side. I'm a very straightforward and blunt person. Right, I like that. So um, th- this is something where I-, I can send a message tomorrow right. and say, look, here's some legitimate concerns I'm hearing, and you guys need to understand, fighters as a whole, we're not really good at admin. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're, we're not great at admin. That's why we have managers. And so this is going to be something where they've got to understand that, and on their end, too, it shouldn't just be on your end. On their end, they need to have someone who has the contacts of all these rosters and the major managers so that, hey, before they dock you, they could hey, someone could call Glenn or shoot him a message and say, hey, Glenn, where's Ryan? Oh, he's down in Florida right now. I, I could, Why? You want to test him? I could have him readily available. Right. You know, that, That's going to be an interesting to see how that plays out. It really is. I mean, I know, I know that they understand some of these complications, so... Um, it's intriguing, but the, the positive thing now is like you said. Yeah. I mean, for a guy like me, look, the playing field, man. It's, yeah. that's all I that's all I care about. It's a massive you know? advantage when you're on that stuff. It's a yeah. massive they, advantage. They, 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 they were going over. They were saying like with the with the cyclists. They said it gives you a fifteen a fifteen percent boost like that that uh, the stuff that Lance Armstrong was taking. It gives you a fifteen percent boost, and you know at the end of the the Tour de France is like uh, you know just seven. It's all like he he beat the second place guy by seven minutes, and it's, it's, it's a, what is it? It's like a four day it's insane. Yeah. Seven so minutes. Is that, that sounds like so about fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. Yeah. No, not that much, but still. No, but you know what I'm saying exactly. But yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy. Dude, you know? I've been in the gym. You know it. You know it because I've been in the gym with guys, mm-hmm. and literally, there's one day or one week, right? You're mopping the floor with them. You mm-hmm. can take them down when you want. You can control them on the ground. You're out striking them. You're quicker. One of the things people think is, oh, when these guys go on steroids, it actually makes them slower. They lose their cardio. BS. Right. They, they, they are. There right. are some. There are some yeah. obvious, really good concoctions out right. there. I don't know right. what they are. Yeah. Well, it's not, and, it's not and, like the '80s steroids where these guys are no. just taking them to, to, to no. look great. Where these things are performance enhancing. Two weeks yeah. later. Two <laughs> weeks later, that same dude is is. Yeah. You can't do anything to him. Yeah. Yeah. No. They're 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 the way drugs are now especially when you make that comparison to the 80s and 90s, drugs now are designed for a specific reason. You know, there are, there are, are, are steroids to help your cardio. Right. There are steroids also for your muscle endurance. Right. There are steroids for your power, right. you know. And, and guys, if guys are not, like what you were saying earlier, guys are knowing how to cycle these things. I never thought to counteract that by, you know, a guy knows how to break into a bank. Well, then after you arrest that guy, you get that guy on your side to tell you how that's done right. so you can stop that. So what you're saying about if they when they know how these things how they how they are beating these tests. Yep. They have to take them at certain times of day, uh, certain times in their camp, or certain times of the year out from a fight. Though that's perfect. I never even I never yeah. considered the the counter the the, the 
the fight to that being knowing when they have to do these things. And, and, and yeah, and knowing when they have to do them, following all the procedures so that if they do appeal. The other big uh, advantage the UFC going with USADA was obviously someone who could handle the collection. Somebody's going to take care of the labs. But then the other big piece was arbitration. So a lot of these other organizations, when you go with them to have them do like some of the, the people that do the NBA, the uh, Major League Baseball, they'll handle the testing and the specimen. But if someone's caught, they don't deal with the arbitration. And the last thing the UFC needs to do is do their own arbitration. They don't need to be the judge and jury on, in, in, in the case of their own athletes. That's asking for a whole lot of critique on their right. bias. I mean, the punishment scale... This is all, when someone gets caught and something happens, they can literally point the finger at USADA, and USADA's got to answer all the questions. Yeah. It takes Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta totally out of the equation. Yeah. That's they it. They brought that up in the summit. They were saying, like, there was baseball players who would, they would, it would come up and they would get caught, and then they would just go back into the system. They would never get revealed because they didn't want the A-Rod or it was hitting so many home runs. It was like, eh, maybe we'll save this one for later yeah. when, you know, when we need some... Some juice because it you know it hurts the sport sometimes yeah. you know yeah but now they have USADA doing it and you know UFC has no control over or anybody has no control over and it. nobody's perfect right people are gonna poke holes in USADA people are gonna poke holes ah they're pain in the ass they track where you're going everything else but overall for the fighters and one of the things they haven't even addressed is long term health you know when you're fighting dudes yeah. who are taking this stuff let me tell you something when when guys that I have fought that I believe to have been on a lot of stuff, when they have hit me, it's been, and I've always had a rock-solid chin, never been rocked in a fight before, then all of a sudden I fought some people like this, it's like the lights went out every time they hit me with a punch. It's, yeah. it's a big power difference. Um, and so anyways, I mean, guys... 15% yeah. who already has power. It's, well, people want to talk about how they elongate yeah. people's career by taking steroids. Well, the same thing goes for people that are fighting them. That shortens their career. So yeah, I think we're going to counter that with, I mean, it, it's. I think it's going to be a bit negligible, but guys are going to take less head trauma. If you're taking roids to extend their career and they're fighting for 15 years, yeah. they, their chances of having traumatic brain injuries or, or, or CTE yeah. is massive. That's Look at some point. of the guys that's that we all point. know. That's a great point, man. That's a great point. Look at some of the legends that we all know that, that, that lengthened their careers because they needed the money by using juice and, and then think about how well they're going to slur or how well they're going to be able to carry on a conversation in the next 10 years. Think about the quality of life they're going to have. You retire from fighting, what, you're 45? Yeah. A lot of life to live, man. You yeah. know, that's, that's why I got out early. I got ki- I want to enjoy my life. I don't want to sit there dripping and, and drooling and, you know. Yeah. I see, I see, unfortunately, I see service members all the time. Because these IEDs are so massive that one big blast can jar their brain, and they're not built like us, man. You know, and I met I met a guy today. He was an officer in the military. He's brilliant, and because of his traumatic brain injury, he has a massive memory problem. He has all these. He's a strategy guy. He's trying to get a job doing strategic analysis for a company. He, he can't get it because he, he he can't. He's trying to put all the words on paper, and it pauses, and then he ruins his idea, and then he gets frustrated, and it gets jumbled. And so he's looking for all these other different kinds of therapies to help him out. He's trying to record conversations. He's try- he doesn't want to sit home and collect disability. The man wants to be productive, but he-, he can't get that job yet because it's hard to get past that. You know, and that's not what we want for any of our buddies either. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully this deal in a perfect world helps that. But there's no perfect organization. I expect people to start poking holes in them because it's the UFC and people like to poke holes in the UFC, which isn't always a bad thing, right? Nope. The media helps to hold people accountable. The true muckraking 
uh, you know, portion of that job. They used to call them muckrakers back in the turn of the century. Um, you know, when, when really in the golden age of journalism where they could really impact social policy. And so they, they're very important in this process. But I think that this is overall a very positive thing for the fighters. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and what you said about, uh, about especially the media trying to poke holes into the, in, in, well, not poke holes, but throw dirt at the UFC and, and whatnot. That, I understand that that happens. Um, but they have to understand, I think everybody has to understand there's no, there's not, there's not even, there's, I don't think there's a guy on the roster that's a shrill for the UFC. You know what I mean? Um, we all love fighting. We all love, we all loved fighting in the UFC. You still love it, you know? I'm sure, there, there, there's, it's, it's like being in a marriage. My wife loves me. I know that for a fact. But I know there's some things about me that just piss her off. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't change the fact that she wants to go to bed next to me every night, and that she knows that I love her and she loves me back. But there are a few things, and it, it's always going to be that way. Nothing's ever perfect. That's every employer. Yeah. You're not human if you don't go home and complain about your boss. Right. I tell that to my supervisor at work all the time. Relax. Your job as a leader is not to always be loved. You to be respected. People don't know what to do if they can't go home and bitch about their boss or work. They're not human. We used to say in Iraq all the time, if your Marines stop complaining, they're dead. Right? I mean, it's, 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 it's part of And that's not to excuse anything by any means necessary. I, I think yeah. it's important at, at all levels. We as fighters, we as commentators now, I'm held accountable by the media all the time. Yeah. Social media, anything. If I make a mistake, when I said in the Mark Hunt Roy Nelson fight, never been done before. Roy Nelson was knocked out before by Andre Arlovsky in, uh, yeah, I think it was Pro League. It was Elite XC. Elite XC. Elite XC, thank you. And, and they held me accountable, and that was a glitch in my, in, in my research that time. So there are real positives. As much as the UFC may hate it, there are real positives in that. But at the same time, man, if the media is ever wrong, they get blasted too. So there, there is some positivity to the system. Um, I, just, I just, in this instance, I think that overall... If you're saying this is the sport's better or worse, having this have happened, I think it is much better with this in place. I agree. I agree. Now, we're talking about the sport being better, um, and we're talking about this as fighters, but this is the first time that we've had another fighter on since the Reebok deal has come out. It's true. You know? And I look at the numbers, and I see how it can be beneficial for some guys. I see how it can hurt a lot. Of, I see how it can hurt more guys. But... It doesn't affect me at all at this point. I really can't, really can't speak to it. But what does it look like for you? You haven't fought since the deal has been has right. been. Well, it, 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 it comes out on uh, on July 11th. Okay. It will be the first the first day. Um, I, you know, I I spoke with Dana and Lorenzo about it, and you know, they're trying to create a revolution. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be opinions. People are going to be for it. People are going to be against it. Obviously, right now people are more against it because. A lot of these guys who've been established and you know build their pro their name and their product who are making you know upwards of fifty to a hundred thousand dollars of fight and sponsorships are now looking at ten to fifteen thousand dollars of sponsorship. So obviously, like I said, it's a revolution. I think it's more for the up and coming fighters because it's just starting. You know they have to start somewhere. Yeah. And this they said this is the best way to do it. They they you know weighed out all the options. This is the best way to do it. You know you, you can't blame them. You know maybe they're trying to. Compete with NFL and NBA and be, uh, you know, and be, uh, you know, a top sport. And uh, 
they, you know, what they said to me was give it a chance. You know, obviously it hasn't even happened yet. Everybody's, you know, trying and, and talking about it. It hasn't happened yet. So give it a chance, see how it plays out, and then we'll go from there. You know, obviously things were going to get, you know, just like any business, it needs to, it needs to grow. And you got to give it a chance and then, you know, give it some changes. And, you know, this isn't, it's not set in stone what, it, what they're doing. They're going to start with this and then they'll go from there. The what? level the level you're at is it less than you are making or around the same? I've actually I'm happy you asked me that. I've actually would make uh, on contract would make anywhere from six to fifteen thousand in sponsorships. I've gotten paid less than half every single time. I still for my first professional fight I still haven't gotten paid from half my sponsors. Well, this this is something that you my brought up, man. Something did. that you brought up when we talked I, about. I, this I, in I gotta be honest, even and you said after all your fights that you you would get from this Reebok deal was more than what you were getting sponsors. It was more than I was getting so sponsors. Would be beneficial. And then I would also not have to track guys that I would not yeah. have to track. The I have sponsors who still haven't paid me from every single one of my fights and then even my I was the main event, I only got I was promised maybe twelve grand. I got three thousand so far, and it was that three months ago. I think. Was it ever on contract? Was it just verbal? I mean, I, you know, it was my manager telling me that these people are paying me. And I, the three thousand was a sponsor, a local uh, feed shop, horse feed shop, local. Yeah, uh, horses in New York. Yeah, out east. <laughs> oh, yeah. Long Island, man. It's, really, on yeah. the island? Huh. Eastern Long Island is 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 uh, just like upstate New York. Okay. Now, a few things stuck out to me. He said one. The, the guys who make fifty to $100,000 in sponsors, I don't know who those would... I don't know if anybody other than maybe a Kane or, or some of the champions. I people people have been... He said he was making... He, he makes like around $40,000. Brandon Schaub said the same thing. Yeah, I... I mean, okay. I, I, I'm, not counting, I'm not counting his money. I'm just going from what I yeah. hear. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I have no reason to believe they would lie. I would say if they're doing that, then, then man, that's exceptional. Yeah. I've, I've talked to some high-level guys, guys that were champions um, back with, in, in the sponsor heyday. And I, I've told you what my numbers were. Yeah. You know, I thought that I did as well as any top 10, top 5 guy that wasn't a champion in the UFC and sponsors. And, and I mean, the Reebok deal would have hurt me. Um, but it was a different day and age, too. Right. It was before things really dried up. You know, back in 2012... Things were really, were really Any, still Anybody solid. was allowed to come in and, 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 and put, hey, instead of giving the UFC, they, you know, there was like a... Well, they still had that. Oh, they did? So, yeah, it, and, and, yeah, they still had that at that time, um, 2012, 2013. Um, but it was unique in that my manager, Robert Rivetta, he was really slick. He, he's a good manager, man. He would, pre, he would go out and present me to a lot of different companies, but he'd go out to a lot of companies that sold to military service members, right? Where's where do I resonate the most yeah, with the fans? Yeah, right, and yeah, he, yeah. you know, mortgage companies, supplement yeah, right. companies that are on base, things like that. He, that's where he found me good money, and, and I'm a little unique. So if I say, hey, the Reebok deal would have hurt me, you know, obviously I understand some of the things I did were unique, but I traveled a lot for my sponsors. When my fights were over, I had a lot of appearances, right. speeches, photo shoots, and video shoots I had to do for them. So there were there was some work there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think some of those things can still continue for some of the guys. But it's interesting you say that because, like, you know, my buddy, Rafael Sunsell, uh, Juan Carnero, Jacal. I mean, th these guys, uh, Clint Hester, this stuff is mad. I mean, it's way better for them, to be honest yeah. with me. I think they, it's better they, for they me. Get a lot. I mean, I'm only getting 5000 I think I'm on the second tier. And I'm only getting, like, 5000 But you know what? I, but you're getting the 5000 You got three in main event, and yeah. you're still owed eight. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. 
Though there's one thing that that I just found out about this too, though, and and, and it kind of plays into what you were just saying, Brian. Uh, the thing about one thing about this new Reebok deal with these uniforms and whatnot, they're not selling these things to to these MMA merchants like an MMA Overload. They can't they can't carry that product. They they won't they won't they will not sell oh, to them. You, have to, you, go to you know, and get it. you have to go through UFC.com oh, or that. Reebok or whatever or, or or Champ Sports or these right. these these franchises right. that are in these malls, you know. But um, the small MMA companies, they're not going sure, to sure, sure. you know. And if you're and the way that affects, I feel like the way that affects the sponsorship package is now that everybody's wearing the uniform, there's no there's no torque in the UFC. There's no uh, head rush in the UFC. There's no Jaco in the UFC. So these companies, they don't get their logos out there. They don't show that they're part of the sport. They don't have the fans that watch the sport go buy their stuff from these small companies like MMA Overload or, or these other um, fight companies that sell gear, these other gear companies, you know. Wow. So that that's another dynamic that we completely miss. But I have a friend that that that's in these co- that's in this in this industry and pointed that out to me, and I was like, wow, that kind of changes the dynamic but instead, of the struggle. I mean, you know, Dana actually brought that up, and he said, you know, I, and I'm not I'm just saying what I hear. I'm not saying, taking a side or not, right? I, you know, but he said like you know instead of giving the guy you know giving someone ten grand to put you know put ten thousand and make commercial. Yeah, put a commercial on and and, and and use you know and use that. Here's the other thing about that though. The problem with that is, in these commercials you can't. I remember seeing a thing with Chris Weidman. In these commercials you can't use the fact that you yeah, can't the use octagon. the name of the UFC. Yeah, you, you can't, can't use the octagon. octagon. You, you can't, can't use the name of the UFC. Chris Weidman had a had a had a seminar going on, and I saw his picture, his post on Instagram, um, promoting his seminar, and it just showed Chris Weidman, middleweight. MMA fighter, middleweight champion in MMA or whatever, right. but he couldn't say yeah, that he was the UFC yeah. champion. Really? I you didn't know? know that. Really? I didn't know that. Well, he, it's hard. It's hard, man. And that, and like I said, it's one of those things. It's, it's their business, uh, what do you call it? Their business model? I yep. can't, I can't speak to that. I am not, I didn't go to school for business. I'm, I'm not, I'm like Nick Diaz. I didn't go to school to learn how to buy a no house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, but I didn't go to school for business, so I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand it, but I don't understand it in a positive or negative way. I, I'm, I'm just giving you the information, yep. you know? That's um, it. That, that's, I guess that's what news is. We should call this World Collide News. I know, right? That's what, that's what giving you the information right. is, but I, I don't know how, how that's going to play uh, out. I, you know, the, the thing, thing that I'm happy about, about though, right give it a chance. Yeah. You know, I'll yeah. tell you, that that's encouraging to me because... You know, when it first came out, the first news you got were the guys that were immediately against it. And slowly but surely, you know, being in Brazil last week to call the fights, being in the Philippines two weeks before to, to call those fights, I have heard a lot more guys tell me personally, yeah, this is actually better than for, for me. me. Yeah, yeah than, than, I, than I initially thought it would be. Yep. And, that's, and that's not me, like, in any way trying to be pro- Team U.S. I'm always pro fighter. team fighter. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's 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 why I love my job. Not I, mean, I don't hate the UFC by any stretch at all, but I'm just always going to advocate for the fighters even before the the, the promoter. The um, UFC is the UFC's 
The UFC is me and I'm my wife when it comes to the UFC. <laughs> yeah. I love I love the UFC. I love fighting, but there are some things that I don't yeah. like, and that's not going to change the fact that I love the game and I love the sport and another, I love the organization. Another thing, like with this, with this like the summit, really like opened my eyes. You know, I've, I've been to the summit when I was in Strike Force, and everyone was, everyone was just in there. I, I, I had a big page of doodles on it. It was just like something to get yeah. you know. This time it was, you know, there was only forty of us, and we I really got to pay attention. What they were pretty much getting in is like. They, they want to help us because obviously everybody complains that they can't afford and they're like, you know, and like injuries and everything. That, so what they're trying to do is they're just trying to like, they're trying to make it like a team. So they're trying to get that company Exos yeah. involved yep. and they're trying to, and they want to get every single fighter involved with this. So, you know, t- to prevent injuries, to help recovery. This way people don't have to freaking start shooting testosterone in their body to, you know, to recover. You can do it the right way. They, they, you know, they're taking blood work, find out you have the right nutrition, what you, what your body needs, what you doesn't need. So these are like I, these are big steps that I like what the UFC is doing. It's just unfortunate for the guys who are, you know, towards the end of their career, and you know this all this stuff isn't going to start kicking in for another for a couple of years. So yeah. it's like they're not going to be around for a couple. I years. just so missed it. Man. So they're missing their, they're missing. But all these younger guys, man, they're going to have they're going to have these nutrition. Uh, they're going to have. All this stuff handed to them, and they all they have to worry about is going to work every day, and everything else is going to be taken care of. Just get better. That's awesome. That's always the case. The old guard. Yeah. Everything evolves, man. And this is a young sport. Yeah. I mean, I, I look. I, I got. I, I was done over a year ago now, and, and I missed out on something. Hey, too bad. Yeah, that's yeah. always going to be the case, man. And it's just as long as it's an upward trajectory, yeah. that's a good thing. You know, and that's cool. I, I read about that EXO stuff and the rehab center they're going to do in Vegas. And I was, yeah. It's pretty cool, man. I mean, they're, they're sitting there, and I'm like, these guys are wasting my time. They're telling us about all this stuff. Like, I, I know how to freaking train. They're, they're based out in, in Arizona. I'm like, why are you telling us this? Like, you know, it, it's like almost like they're trying to promote their things. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, we're trying to get this involved. We're trying to offer our services to every single fighter in the UFC. We're in the process of working something out and, you know, opening up, a, you know, a, them in Vegas, open up one like in all points of the, the U.S. that everybody can go to, and you can send them, send you out there for a week or two. And then I was like, "Now you're paying attention." Cool. Yeah, and yeah. then I started. I, now I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." Because they said you don't have to go out there; you don't have to, you know, do a whole training camp out there. You go out there for a week, and and they and they test everything, they, and they put you through everything, and then you go back home and you work and you do the stuff that they put you. Then you go back out, and then they retest you to see how you're evolving. And, you know, I think it's really cool stuff. I just, I'm curious to see how they can make it, you know, available for every fighter. But I think they're making steps. You know, there's at least they're investing back into us. You know, instead of just saying, you know, that's good, man. You came back from that summit with a with a real positive mindset. That's yeah, I did. I, I absolutely did. I think some of the stuff was, you know, a little bit repetitive. But I think I learned a little bit, and I, you know, I they are trying to yeah to bring it, you know bring it a little more mainstream instead of just being like us being independent contractors they're trying to you know make us a team and yeah make it a league well we need we need repetitive though i mean they're still i mean i would i would venture a guess to say that less than less than 30 percent of fighters will take their fight pay and put a certain percentage away for long term yeah i would say that they all live fight to fight i see fighters and look we Guys that come out and they, you know, well, you know, I won that fight. I trained real hard, so I bought myself this watch. That's a five thousand yeah, dollars watch. And they don't, and they don't fight again for another five months. So yeah, I mean, it's it's we make some really dumb mistakes, and uh, man, that that's really cool. Sometimes some of that repetitive stuff is a good thing. Yeah. 
to hear, you know, yeah. especially with them. But uh, definitely. And the other thing about that, something Brian said, and this is for the young guys out there, man. Um, yeah, you have to take some of that money, put it aside, you know, plan for the future because it's not the next fight. Right. Every day that you go in the gym, you are risking injury. Last you know, yeah. it could be every yeah. every time you put on your gloves, it could be the last time you do it. Try to retire, try to retire with it with a good invested nest egg. Absolutely, you know. What I mean, if you're making if you're making a hundred grand a year fighting, live like you're making fifty or sixty. Yeah. You know, if if you're making two hundred, live. You know, put a good amount away. There's no reason if you have staying. I mean, there's a lot of guys now with this expanded roster that don't necessarily have staying power, yeah. but there definitely are a core. I would say. 200, yeah, maybe right. give or give or take 50, that have legitimate staying power that, that should be able to retire from the UFC with six figures put away into good stocks and into a good balanced portfolio that can continue to work for them long term. Then there's the 20% where the real money, when you get the belt, you get the belt, you become a millionaire. Yeah. You know, it, it, you become a millionaire when you, yeah. when you get that belt. And those guys have got to, got to invest their money properly. But, uh, Eve, I think it's, it's time for our, our lightning round with Ryan. Have you thought of some good creative questions? I've got a couple already written down. Huh. So what you're saying to me is I should start. You should start because I don't I don't necessarily know if I have any creative questions. Alright. First thing that comes to mind. Yeah, to kill one sleep with no, I'm just kidding. Um, who's your who's your favorite fighter of all time to watch? Um favorite fighter of all time to watch. Depends. Like, Could just be anybody. Do you have a favorite fighter? Fedor. Fedor Emelianenko. Fedor Emelianenko. All right. Dude, seriously. I mean, yeah. did, it did it. I mean, from what it looks like, yeah. if he was dirty, then yeah. he had to have the worst physique ever yeah. before. No, yeah. <laughs> and it just always looked like he was going to get his ass kicked and then, like, always end up like Smashed a monster. Oh, uh, that was luck. And then he'd come out and do the exact same thing next time. Smashed fucked some monsters when he did it, too. Yeah, man. If you could fight anyone, and I'm not talking about fighters, I'm talking about. Referee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes nine million articles. I, I I don't even have a question. Way to spawn you, you that. You just one blew it up. That, that was awesome. I, my question can't beat that answer. <laughs> Dumbest so, thing you've ever done in a fight. In a fight. Meeting John Howard in the balls and got so a bad. lot of cris- criticism for that one. Like, was, was, was it on purpose? No, of course not. But you know. It was an accident, and I, you know, should have been a little more careful. And I, I still hear, hear shit. About, I still, I still hear shit about who that. Who called that one? Did they, did they really rub it in that you did it? You remember? So no, they couldn't. Have. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. But I just remember like when I got home, and like he was being such a baby about it. He was like taking pictures of broken cuffs. Like meanwhile, I didn't break his cuff, and like putting it online. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you got you lost the fight, man. You came back and and, and you fought, and you got your ass kicked, man. Like, you didn't, you didn't get gymmed. Yeah, you didn't get gymmed. All right, most embarrassing moment in MMA. Could be in the gym too if you want. For me or or, or for you, yeah. or it could be one of your opponents. But maybe you're just embarrassed. I, I, I was rolling with ease and I farted on him one time. And What's with you in this, man? <laughs> Mike Brown said the same thing. He was fighting. He farted on you. Guys, just like the fart on me. I guess. Are you a laxative? Are you a natural laxative? I have, I have that. I have well, that fart on me. That's the thing. He shares the Gatorade with us. Right before, right before we train. <laughs> He's, He's got the brown bottle. He's got the brown bottle. Okay. From all the guys that you fought, right, is there any of those guys that say you saw them on the side of the road trying to fix a flat on a busy, rainy night? Any of those guys you just drive by? 
I actually like John Howard. So I, I you know, besides he was being a baby about that, I actually don't have a problem with him. I, I was just trying to promote it. No, I don't like it. The guy Benny Alloway. It was my first UFC fight, and the guy was like talking so much shit, saying that I, uh, I was like humping, I humped him or something like that. And like, man, I freaking whooped your ass too. Like, what are you like? You didn't even come close to winning a round. Like, how could you talk shit? And then he ends up getting cut after that. So yeah, that guy beat it. <laughs> so Benny Alloway has got a flat tire yeah. somewhere in Long Island, New York. Yeah, I would love to fight that guy again. Cause I'll just beat him standing up too. Who's who's the, there's a guy like this in every gym. Who's the guy at the Black Slings where you kind of hope you don't have to go with him that day because he's just a bit raunchy? Like, this this is that dude, man. He always smells like that. Oh, you <laughs> I'll, I'll feel you, like you need to shower right away. That's Gregor Gillespie in, in New York. <laughs> he, he'll come into the gym and have these socks on. They'll have holes on them. They'll be yellow. They were white. And, like, I'm like, they dude, what's up with your socks? And he'll have, like, like, his shoes. And I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, yeah, well, you know. And I know he's got money. He does like a million private wrestling privates a day. He just like, nah, I've had these socks for like seven years or something like that. I just don't want to get rid of them. He just doesn't care. Just one of those nasty dudes. He like stole a girl's rash guard one time. And uh, <laughs> it was a girl. Yeah, it was a girl's rash guard. And he just wore this thing. For, and it had like, it had, like <laughs> bright white like sweat stains on it like dude do you even watch it like, I do sometimes oh man oh. we have to we have to we ha- and, and Brian doesn't know Gregor I know Gregor from, from my time up in Long yeah. Island but we have to tell people because they won't know him for a little bit yeah. yet but this kid is somebody that I have a lot of faith in Greg Gillespie is a four time yeah. All-American is a national champion from yeah. Edinburgh and this kid is a beast yeah. so it's funny that you get we're getting this uh this yeah. Inside information about him before he gets this star gets the rise because he's Gregor, you're a dirty bastard, and that's going to stick with you. <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing is that he's not even like you know, like it's not even the hen that smells like he, he yeah. probably showers and stuff, it's just like he just doesn't care about his gear and just like whatever. He still oh, wears like the same gym clothes from from uh from college and stuff, and like. Yeah, I, I, I trained with Gregor, and I, I, I don't remember, like, thinking, oh, this guy stinks. I, all I remember thinking is, I can't get up. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not unhygienic, but his yeah. gear is just dusty. He's like the guy that, like, you go to his car, and there's, like, a hundred water bottles on, like, the front seat. <laughs> oh, you know, you ride, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I had a guy, like, his, his glove stunk so bad. Yeah, I never yeah, wanted him in my yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll never forget, this is at the, the, the height of Forrest Griffin's career. I mean, he was making a lot of money at this time. I'm in Extreme Couture, and there, you know, getting ready for practice. And I look over, and Forrest is pulling everything out of this large lost and found box. Pulling everything out and, and like, folding it, putting it. And I go, Forrest, what are you doing? And I mean, without a second's hesitation, doesn't even look at me, just goes, shopping. He is one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Ever. He, he wasn't lying. I know. This is a guy who's a millionaire at the time. And he's just, it's free shit. It's mine. <laughs> he smoked at that thing, and he would make me laugh so freaking hard, man. Dude, when, when, we were in, when we were in those PED meetings, yeah. it was, I mean, he was a Right. Yeah, he's just so quick with the, what he says. It's so like, witty. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Great. Great. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. We want to thank Ryan for coming in, hanging out with us and talking, because this was absolutely awesome. Yeah. It's, this is the first, this is the first, Ryan, you, you gotta, you gotta be happy, because this is the first podcast that we've done 
together. This is in person. In yeah. person. Right. Together. We've yeah. done we've done this together all the time. Right. Over the internet, you know? Right. No, this is the first time I got I got to sit in Brian's right. lap and do the podcast <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> you guys are making me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> what about when I rub his back? <laughs> well guys, thanks again for listening and just tune in next week. We're gonna keep this thing up. We're gonna keep this thing rolling. Wanna say thanks again to Ryan for coming in. Ryan's conversating awesome tomorrow. This this is coming up the morning of the fight, so you guys are gonna hear this, and then you're gonna hear Brian for three or four more hours. <laughs> so just keep listening, keep letting us know what you guys want, and we'll keep tuning them out. Thanks again. The Santo, oh, I want to do yoga, body, body, try to do it. I want to do yoga, body, body, try to do it. Talk to him.